This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. On the road to 2020, a new CBS News Battleground Tracker poll looks at potential voters in 18 states. The first CBS News Battleground Tracker poll of the 2020 campaign focuses on the Democrats who want to replace him. Okay, let's get to where the race stands right now. Our CBS News Battleground Tracker focuses on the 18 early Democratic caucus and primary contests. Do you have a 25-year-old computer, a 25-year-old television? I'm wagering you don't, since you're listening to a podcast. I'm wagering that most of the technology you use today is not the same that it was, say, 25 years ago. So why should your polling be the same way that it was 25 years ago? We're going to tackle that on the podcast and tell you how the CBS News Battleground Tracker works. We're also going to dig into the best way to measure the politics you see today, the 2020 Democratic primaries in particular, and talk to you about how newer techniques for polling can bring you a fuller picture of what is really going on. Welcome to the podcast. In this episode of Where Did You Get This Number? I am Anthony Salvanto, Elections Director at CBS News, here with my colleague, Kabir Khanna. Kabir, welcome. Thank you, Anthony. Good to be with you. Thanks. And so, look, this is a story for listeners out there who hopefully have followed our polling, followed the Battleground Tracker a little bit, of were you and I looking at the Democratic nomination process and trying to think of a way to better match the polling to what's really going on? I mean, one of the things that you and I have been thinking about really for a while now is how do we update the poll so that it matches that delegate fight that we know we heard the top of the the top of the podcast, those sounds from the conventions. Ultimately, those will come out next summer. How do we match the polling to what's really going to happen at that convention? That's exactly right. Political junkies know that the Democratic nomination is won and lost on delegates. So we're trying to follow this race in the terms that it's won and lost on. The candidates right now are competing for delegates across the early states and eventually across the country. Yeah. And, and you know, what's happened over the years and this story, really, if we back it up all the way, say, a generation ago to the 1970s, really comes out of the Democratic Party has been trying to give voters more of a direct say in what happens at that convention. You know, like you mentioned, political junkies, they know the old story of what they called the smoke-filled rooms, Mm -hmm. you know, where the party bosses at the conventions, we're talking about the 1940s, 1950s, and the 60s, used to get together and basically cobble together a coalition and go, okay, this is who we're going to nominate for president. And then the 70s, that started to change in more direct election of delegates. So the delegates would go to the convention having been won or lost 
in the primaries, right? Yeah, that's right. The idea was to give ordinary voters more of a a voice in the process. And even since 2016, there have been some changes in the process. So um, there were some concerns in 2016 that superdelegates, which uh, consist of party leaders, um, among other people, had had too much of a say in the process. So this year, um, superdelegates won't have any say on the first ballot at the convention. Right. So all the delegates on that first ballot at the convention are going to be one, essentially, in these party primaries. Right, determined by the voters. And so we were thinking, okay, it's even more important than ever to do polling such that we reflect how those delegates are going to get won and lost because they have so much more power now at the convention. So, you know, what what we started to do with the battleground tracker then was figure out, okay, first of all, we know there isn't a national primary. We know we're going state to state. Everybody knows the states, you know, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, right? Those are the ones that go first, Nevada, of course. But so many of the polls out there just give you a national number. Right. Yeah, we're trying to do things a little bit differently. And and sometimes looking at national polls, while informative, can be misleading. We saw this uh, in the general election of 2016 with yeah. the Electoral College. Um, the national polls were actually quite accurate, but what mattered were was going state to state and seeing which candidate had the potential to pick up more electoral college votes. So similarly here, we're going state by state, but it's even more complicated than that because we really need to go district by district. Because whoa, of the whoa, way whoa, that... Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Alan Pang, our producer, everybody. Okay, Alan, what's up? Hey, uh, you know, Anthony, after the last poll, um, you actually got a lot of questions on Twitter and I was kind of confused too, as in... Why are you guys estimating delegates so early? Okay, that's that's. I'm glad for that question, and, and thank you. It, you know, what we're trying to do is, first let me tell you what we're not trying to do. We are not predicting the outcome at next year's convention. What we're trying to do is explain to people how this process works and show people how current vote preferences would really translate into delegates right now so that it starts to reinforce this idea that the campaigns are ultimately chasing delegates and chasing them in these specific subregions. It's meant to be an explainer, not a predictor. Oh, okay. Okay. Is I that, got it. Is that good enough? That makes, that makes it for me. Is yeah. that good enough? Yeah, I want to echo what you said. This is a good illustration of the difference between a forecast, which is trying to predict the future, which we don't do, and a current snapshot of the race. And what's different, what we're trying to do differently is instead of just giving you that current snapshot in terms of whom people are voting for, give you that and give you how that translates to delegates. Yeah, okay. Thanks for that, guys. But um, one more question I had was, how come some candidates seem to have so many more delegates than others when they poll so close together? Ah, see, what you're referring to is a separation of a couple of points in vote preference for people uh-huh. or people who are just near that 15% magic threshold to get delegates in the vote preference of the poll. And yet when you run this through the delegate estimate, it seems like somebody comes up with a really big number of delegates. And so for that, Kabir, Kabir you've got the numbers right in front of you. Sure. So in South Carolina, for example, Joe Biden, uh, we estimate at 43% support among Democratic likely voters. That's vote share. Percent of people who pick Joe Biden first. As their top choice. Right. Right. 
However, in terms of delegate, delegates, Joe Biden has 38 of the 54 available delegates. That's how that 43% vote share translates into delegates, meaning he gets the lion's share of delegates in South Carolina. So that getting, you know, getting that 40 odd percent of the vote ends up netting you three quarters of the delegates. Almost. And the reason for that has to do with the other candidates. Almost all of the other candidates fall below 15 percent in terms of vote share, which means they're below the cutoff they need to get any delegates. So those other candidates, by and large, are getting no delegates. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are in that 15 percent vote share ballpark. Bernie tends to be above it in South Carolina. He's at 18% in our latest estimates. So both Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren get the remaining delegates in South Carolina. Oh, so that means that the 54 delegates are split among the three candidates that are above that threshold for that state. Exactly, while the votes are split among 20 candidates. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. And so, you know, while this may seem like this kind of, you know, arcane process, Byzantine process, whatever the right, you know, old cliche word is. Paradoxical. Paradoxical, <laughs> combobulated, I don't know what else. But but what, what ends up happening is that that's what the campaigns know thereafter. So we as pollsters would like to be able to tell our audience the story in the same terms that the campaigns are using and what they're seeing out there. Right? Absolutely. And and there's been a lot of media focus on winners and losers. Who won Iowa? But the primary is about more than that. Um, it's, you know, winning is one thing, but your margin of victory matters. And you can come in second or third in a state in terms of vote share, but still do pretty well in terms of delegate and perhaps even chip away at that delegate gap you're trying to make up with the leading candidate. So what we were trying to do with the tracker number one is, first of all, focus on those key early states. Never mind the national numbers. We've got polls. We've got estimates in Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina and Nevada, and then across the states that hold the earliest set of primaries up through Super Tuesday, which is also especially important in 2020. That's right. Yeah. March 3rd, 2020 is going to be a big day. There are 14 states scheduled to hold their primaries that day, Super Tuesday, uh, one of which is California, which has now moved up earlier in the cycle than it's been previously. So there are a lot of um, big, delegate-rich states that are going to be uh, happening on Super Tuesday. And so we thought it was important to include those states in our early polling. And what happens in California is another really instructive example is that it has a whole bunch of regions which are very well may vote differently from each other. So a candidate could do really well in Los Angeles and pick up delegates in that area, but then some different candidate could do well in the Central Valley or well in Northern California and pick up the delegates who are available there. So it could be five or six different areas that, you know, advantage one candidate over another And we thought, well, we want folks to be able to see what that really looks like and shouldn't their polling be able to tell them. That's right. And one of the strengths of the CBS News Battleground Tracker is that we can estimate candidate support in each of those different regions and in different districts 
and translate that support into delegates. And then here's where newer estimation methods come in. Here's where better statistics and improvements in statistical methods start to come in. And that's what we we start to unpack with the tracker, right? That's right. Yeah, it's more than just a poll. It's a lot of polling data and a statistical model that can give us good estimates in the regions we care about, which in this case are states and congressional districts. Okay. So to sort of dive even deeper into the way that this model works, we're going to bring in our colleague, Doug Rivers. Hey, Doug, it's Anthony. You're coming through about and clear. Hopefully I'm not All too right, bad. I'm shouting. <laughs> I'm in all caps. Hey, Doug, Kabir here too. <laughs> well, Doug is, uh, Doug is professor at Stanford. He is a CBS News election and decision desk consultant and CIO of YouGov America. Most of all, uh, a good friend and longtime colleague, I am happy to say. So, Doug, Kabir and I have been talking about the critical problem within a survey of you've got an area to estimate, but if you want to break out a smaller area, in this case, congressional districts where Democrats give out a lot of their delegates, now you have a sampling problem because you're not necessarily going to have enough individuals within that sub area to really break out and good estimate, get a good estimate. And that's where better modern statistical techniques come into play. Right. I mean, a typical national survey of a thousand or two thousand respondents will have, you know, two, three, four people in the average congressional district. Uh, so that's not enough to make a good estimate uh, of the CD. So what we do is we build a, a model that has not only individual level demographics and past voting behavior, but also takes into account the nature of the congressional district that people live in. Uh, and it, we, it produces quite good estimates, enough to uh, make what we think are much better delegate estimates. We know something about that congressional district in the first place, and we can use what's going on, what we know about it, to figure out what's going on there, right? Right. We take uh, a data set that doesn't have a lot of interviews in individual congressional districts. It can sometimes be you know, in the single digits. And we take the demographics of the voters, how they voted in past elections, and combine that with data about the district and combine all that into a a model, so-called multi-level regression model, uh, that combines both individual and district-level data to make really good estimates of what the vote what is going to be in the CD. So, Doug, when you say multi-level, let, let me unpack that with you for a second. The levels are we know something about an individual, but we don't necessarily know uh, a lot or we don't necessarily have a lot of such individuals in any given district. But we do know what's going on with individuals just like them all over the place in different congressional districts, in different states, et cetera, that we can use to inform what's happening to those individuals. And we also know something about the place in which they live. And you combine all of that together. That's what we mean by multi-level, right? Yes. I mean, for example, we have how they voted in the past. And in some states, uh, you know, Clinton voters are switching to Warren, and in other cases, they're switching to, say, Biden. Uh, and it's the combination of the type of the voter and the nature of the place they live uh, that um, gives us a better estimate, rather than assuming that all voters move uniformly. 
work. So, for example, if white working class voters are going for Biden or going for Sanders in any given district, we can get a better estimate of the extent of that if we look at how they're behaving in other congressional districts. And we also have the voter files, which tell us how many such people there are in any given district so that then we can add that up and figure out what the impact of those votes really are in any given district, right? Yeah, the voter file gives you very detailed data down to precincts even uh, about the demographics of voters and who's actually voting, uh, which helps make uh, better estimates. Yeah. So give me some examples of where you've seen this kind of technique in the MRP, the multi-level regression with post-stratification. Give me some examples of where that's worked before or been employed before. This isn't something we're just breaking out for for 2020. Yeah, we've been teaching people how to say multi-level regression and post-stratification. The, the biggest hit for us was in the uh, 2017 UK general election where um, you had to predict the vote in 650 parliamentary constituencies, um, and the national-level polls showed that Theresa May was going to win a victory by 20 points, and uh, we predicted that they would, um, the Tories would lose their majority, uh, which led to uh, the current situation uh, in the U.K., um, with uh, you guys in uh, 2018, we predicted the outcomes of uh, 435 congressional elections, and uh, the error was about um, four points on average in a congressional district, um, which enabled us to give a, a, a pretty accurate estimate of what the outcome was going to be in terms of con- control of the House. So for everybody tuning in, listening to find out how the battleground tracker works, that is as detailed and as rich an explanation as you are likely to find anywhere. Doug Rivers from Stanford, UGov, uh, and CBS. Uh, thank you, Doug. Really appreciate really appreciate the time. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Doug. Okay, so that's uh, I was going to say in a nutshell, but it's in a long, it's a long uh, description of what's going on behind the scenes in the CBS News Battleground Tracker and. What we're going to do going forward is not just look at how these candidate patterns move, but then how they would affect the possible delegate shifts. And I think one of the things that will be really interesting to watch, Kabir, is whether or not any candidate emerges as having particular support in a region. Maybe one candidate starts to do better in cities, one starts to do better in rural areas. And that's a place where this model could really, really start to illustrate some differences. Definitely. We're we're keeping a close eye on that. As an example, Joe Biden is currently doing very well with black Democratic voters. And that translates to a a lot of delegates getting picked up uh, in southern states, for example. Right. And Um, so if they have a key constituency and where that constituency lives, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, that's what the snapshots we've taken have shown us thus far, and we'll keep an eye on it and see um, how things unfold in the coming months. Right. Um, and obviously, this, like I said, the candidates know and their campaigns know where not only the delegates are, but where they can have particular strengths or weaknesses. And when you start to see candidates going around the country and picking areas where to go 
not just in Iowa, but a place in Iowa, not just in, say, Nevada, but maybe an area of Nevada, what the savvy poll consumer and maybe somebody watching the the tracker will know is maybe why they've chosen that place. Absolutely. And maybe maybe they're figuring out we do well in this particular area and there's delegates to be had. So that's where we are. Looking towards the future a little bit, uh, but there will be more. Kabir Khanna, my colleague, uh, great to have you here. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. And for everybody out there, as always, thank you for listening. And as Alan mentioned, we will take questions at us on Twitter. Uh, Where did you get this number? Follow us on Twitter. If you've liked the podcast, please rate us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For everybody at CBS Radio, my thanks in particular to Alan Pang for pulling this all together as always. And thank you for listening. Talk to you next week.